Well, I'm glad to be back here with you. This is my fourth and final time. We're a little mini-series. Um, a couple of things I wanted to say. I appreciate the kind of announcement about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And I don't know if you've been operating in Southern Baptist circles for a while. What's so neat about that announcement for me. So Lottie Moon, oh, where did she go? So Lottie Moon was like four foot ten. And so you're out there, I'm like, oh, man, Lottie was even smaller. She, she was one of the first people to, that we know of when she entered the Chinese culture, she began wearing their clothes. She began eating their food. She began sleeping on a kang, which is like a big fireplace, and you light a fire. She was one of the first who would become like the people she's reaching. She braided her hair and the stock. And, uh, you know, so, so much of what we would practice in missions today, uh, you know, she's one of the first. She, she, uh, she broke off an engagement to this guy who was an up and coming um, seminary professor. He's the catch. Except he did some doctoral work over in Germany. And when he came back, he was different. And so she broke up with him over theology. This is, you know, uh, you, you can go visit. Uh, so, so we have the International Mission Board. They've got a headquarters in, around Richmond, Virginia. You can go visit and see the Lottie Moon, like Shrine. Um, a lot of it isn't, you know, isn't not our patron saint. This is someone who, uh, there's thousands of these stories that God used in difficulty, in trial. I mean, it's pretty tough breaking up an engagement today. It's even tougher in the 1800s. What was she going to do for a living? Anyways, all that to say, um, as God leads you, engage uh, not just financially, prayer-wise, engage information-wise. These kind of stories, uh, they move me. I want to, God, let me be a part of you reaching the nations um, so, okay. Second thing I wanted to mention, I don't know what, sure what your drive was like this morning. I haven't looked outside in a while, but maybe you drove through some fog getting here, right? Every now and then there'll be something God does. Uh, now, and we sing a song. I'm glad this music's here because I'm like, I don't forget what this song's called. It was something about heaven and earth meeting together. I can't remember what the deal was. But I kept thinking of, okay, the, the fog came today. And, and so there's two instances in the Old Testament. One was kind of the... Uh, uh, opening of the tabernacle, and then the opening of the, the stone uh, temple. And God, it says God came and filled the place with his glory, kind of a tangible sense of his glory. Uh, what I've been praying for us this, this week, and really this morning, is what, what you're going to do today, God, may this be kind of a tangible presence for us this week, where you just seem to kind of occupy our work and our relationships, and uh, the things we're responsible for, and the things we get to do. Maybe you just kind of like a fog sit in all that. Okay, so this morning we're finishing up the series on how does God change us. We're the last part, which is fruit. So let me remind you, give you my little illustration of change. And so this is a, a, a worksheet. This is a diagram. It's heat, thorns, cross, and then fruit. And so I filled out the worksheet in legible print, and I actually sent a copy of this to, uh, to Matt. Where did he go? And so if you want a copy of this worksheet to work through, now I'll just say the left-hand side, don't assume, oh, Blake, wonderful, you produce this fruit now and forevermore. I'm going to walk you through this. So here's the process. Um, remember I told you a story about how 
uh, had some deadlines coming up, and these students came to my office, which is fine, right, for them to do. And they asked me some questions, which is also fine and good. And I, um, I love myself more than them. I love myself more than God. And so I respond to them. I, I'm overreact. I'm harsh. I'm self-righteous. And remember I told you, Paul, I said to him, uh, would you just, what, I, what you just said, you took what I said and made a heresy. You know, not very kind and loving, not teachable, right? Um, the consequences, I got this nickname, January Blake. And I think most of the students have moved on, and, and so no one calls me that now. Um, I wanted to be, I wanted my work to be easy. I didn't want it to be work. I didn't want the curse of the garden to apply to me. I don't want the pain of work. And, and I wanted to be in control. And so things had changed. That bound down part and part. Uh, God's, no, no, hey, here we go, perfect. God's in complete control of my life. Even interruptions like Paul and Chase that came in. He's in complete control of that. Jesus is present with me in every single struggle, and God has a design for everything he allows to happen. What does this do? This helps change my heart where, okay, God, I want you to use me to bless the lives of others. That's what I really want. More than I want my work to be easy, I want you to use me to bless the lives of others. I, I, I want to trust your provision. And so I was able to respond to Paul some months later in kindness. Where he fit, really, I told you, he joked about you know, saying this thing back to me. He felt comfortable doing that because there had been some restoration, some kindness towards him. So I was available as peaceful. Uh, he felt cared and known. I don't want you to think, oh, this fruit is always produced perfectly in Blake now. It's just an example of thorns. How did God you change me to be repentant, walk in faith, humble towards Paul, where, where now we're friends? He's not holding this against me. This is where we'll walk today is this last part with fruit. Now, I want to say a couple things. Um, when, when someone becomes a believer... The changes God is doing is fundamental to who we are. And, and sometimes we just don't think it's that way. There was a, uh, so my, my kids work at a car wash, and so we, every now and then you can get your car washed, you know, for free because your kids work there. And uh, so I, we have a Prius, and apparently the Prius is like one of the three cars that never should go through a car wash because uh, the angle of the back part and the windshield wiper, basically it always breaks the windshield wiper, basically what it does. And so um, now it doesn't break it in a terrible way, but I didn't know that, neither of my kids. So basically what happens is it comes to the car wash, and then it's like hanging off the side. And you turn it on, and it's like wiping air. It's, it doesn't. And so, you know, hey, I'm just curious, you know, um, we get our oil change there. What would it cost to fix the motor on a windshield wiper? Oh, it's, okay, yeah, well, you know, we're not looking for a mortgage, so thank you. Or a new car, thank you. And so probably for about six weeks, I just lived with no, just sitting there. What I didn't know is basically it just back turned the screw and you just return the screw and it works fine. It's like a safety mechanism, right? So um, I live with this thing just not working. Rain, dirt, mud, and just, you know, no, no, no rear wiper. I'm living with it broken. I think as believers, sometimes we live as if the image up there, the thorn tree, that's just how life has to be. My tree's broken. 
We sometimes live as if, uh, because of what I've experienced, good things aren't really possible for me like they might be for someone else. Or good fruit isn't really possible for me because of how I grew up or what happened to me. Or maybe it's that um, God's rules may work for some. I've tried to keep them, but it's only led to more frustration. It's not worked. Or maybe your experience is, look, I have fought and prayed and cried out for change, and this just hasn't changed. I'm still suffering in this habitual sin, and I've just kind of given up. Or maybe, look, I like the stories in the Bible and the stories of people's testimonies, but my experience just doesn't match theirs. All of these is kind of a, a thinking and a feeling that, well, I guess just my wiper's broken. And I, I want to tell you, the scripture we'll look at today will be in Galatians chapter 5. Paul will say, it's not as broken as you think. It still can work. We simply sometimes give up believing that fruit can grow out of heat. Wow. Does that happen often? I mean, when it happens, you just got to acknowledge there's a train going by. I don't have any, like, great Bible verses about trains or how God's, like, going to run the power through your life. Um, okay. We give up believing good fruit can grow in heat. And God can deliver you from whatever the heat you have or will face. And not just deliver you from, okay, I get to escape from this, never go back, but deliver your response from that. And so this means that in the pressure of family difficulty, love can actually grow. Not just endurance, not just bitterness, but love can grow. In the presence of a, kind of an unappreciated sacrifice, perseverance, gratitude can grow. In the face of physical suffering, peace and a sturdy faith can grow. In times of need, instead of the thorns of greediness, fruit of generosity can grow. Humility can blossom even during personal blessing and success. Joy can live under kind of a radiating scorch of rejection. Hope can, hope can grow in times of grief. It can happen. All right, so we're in Galatians 5. We're going to peek quickly at John chapter 7. How is it possible? And we can look at several other texts. So John just kind of adds this in here. It's, it's in this context of Jesus' brothers don't believe him, and, and there's a whole other sermon on the loneliness you may feel from the rejection of your family. Jesus' brothers sarcastically did not believe James and Jude future elders of the church future martyrs scathing rejection in the context of all this verse 37 of chapter 7 of John on the last day last and most important day of the festival Jesus stood up and cried out if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink and the one who believes in me as the scripture has said this is what's important for us in this context. We'll have streams of living water flow from deep within him. The change God is going to work in you 
is not just something outside you. It will be something from within you. As much as a response to heat as our sinful response has been. He said this, John's now commentating, about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But we, if you're a believer, you now have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to us changing. Heat, with the help of the Spirit, doesn't become the source of trouble. It becomes the the source of blessing. It doesn't become what was me. It becomes the kind of the start spot from God's doing a mighty work in my life. Let's begin working through Galatians 5. So Galatians 5, I'm in verse 13. So we have these warnings against self-indulgence. It says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, not only to use this freedom as an opportunity, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For while the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbors yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Sin causes us to be more committed to us than to God or more committed to ourselves than to others. It's a common way of describing what's the sinful root of me? I, I just love me more than you. I love me more than God. This is about nine and a half years ago. Uh, I had an associate, and uh, she attended Sycamore Hill at some, for a time. Emily Troutman's her name. You may have known them if you are part of the other campus at one point. So Emily had worked with me for five years, and then she got pregnant with twins. And like, I got pregnant with twins. I can't do college ministry anymore. Like, and, you know, part of me said the right things. Hey, this is a blessing from the Lord. It's twins. Five years. This is great. But inside... I was anxious because Emily was leaving, and we had seven leaders leaving, and here's why I was anxious. Not because what's going to happen to the ministry. It was more, what's going to happen to me? It was more, how hard is this going to get for me? I was super committed to me. And I maybe would couch it in reaching students or partnering with churches, but mainly it was, my main anxiety was, who's going to help Blake? Now, I will say God was gracious, provided the next person, Katie. She got pregnant and left in three years, provided the next person, Sarah. She got pregnant in three years, provided the next person, Jamie, who now is on her fourth year, and she's pregnant, getting to leave, and she's leaving in February, and God's already provided the next person. Well, I, the last two, I really wasn't panicked, because I had seen a pattern of God providing. <laughs> but the first one, I was super panicked, because I hadn't yet seen any fruit of I'm going to believe you're always doing something good for yourself, God. Not for me. You care, he cares far more about these students or partnering churches than I ever could. The reason why we compete in traffic or want to get the first shower or the last cookie or we call shotgun or we hide our favorite drinks or chips. That's my kids. We are mainly more concerned about our welfare than others. That's the root of our, our, our sinful response. And Galatians 13 and 15 shows us this. Look, don't use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh. And he writes this phrase, if you bite and devour, why would he write that? Because that's an option for them. 
that's an option how they might respond to life together. Let's jump down to chapter 5, verse 19. He says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Why would it be obvious? I mean, they've, they've not only viewed them, they probably have been this. Or may the Galatians were in this now. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the Galatians, they had various ways in which a thorny response to life just flowed out from them. Their hope for change that Paul's going to tell them or has told them already is our same hope for change. It's that they belong to Jesus and their sinful desires were already being put to death. And that by walking by the Spirit, we'll look at this next text, this is the way to truly live. Now jump down to verse 6, chapter 1. We're going to have a picture of people who are more committed to each other than themselves. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watch out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. And this way we will fulfill the law of Christ. What was thorny, he now is assuming can be fruitful. How does this happen? Let's backtrack to chapter 5, verse 16. He says, look, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly, certainly, not perhaps, not maybe, not if it's sunny outside, not if he woke up good, not if the coffee was great. Walk with the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. You won't live thorny. For the flesh desires what's against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what's against the flesh. And let me pause here and just remind you, there's a war going on in you. Unpause. Those are opposed to each other so that you don't know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I'm not sure if we have set a point yet. Here's a point. Here's an action point from today. Say yes to the Spirit. The Spirit is battling our sin nature on our behalf. And because of that, you don't have to yield to your sin nature. You, you don't have to respond in thorny ways. The non-believer has to. We should not be shocked when a non-believer sins. That's their natural state. We talked before about repentance and faith, that, that God in repentance convict me, Holy Spirit, convict me, so I'll repent, and then empower me to walk in faith. Convict me how I've responded to heat in wrong ways, and now empower me, do something in me, so I'll respond in, in a faithful way, in a pleasing way to you. What's this look like? Now we'll jump to, if you've been around a church or ever a little kid in a church, you probably memorized this verse or sang some song about it. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
The law is not against such things. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in us. This is how you know someone's at work in a believer. It's not their own doing. This is produced by the Spirit. These aren't just, uh, these aren't a standard that are unreachable. And it's actually not something you yourself do. This is a gift from the Spirit. There's one author who talks about um, faking, faking the fruit of the Spirit. And so he talks about, uh, what if you had a tree in your backyard, and, um, you know, say if it was an apple tree, and it's just not producing any apples, and you go, I got, I got an idea. I'll go to the store, I'll buy a bag of apples, come back home, get some fishing line, tie them on. Hey, 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 look out there. Look at our apple tree. And maybe, you know, if some guest was over, and it happened to be September when apples are... Like, oh, wow, those are some great apples. Let's go. Oh, and let's not inspect those too closely. Or, oh, let's get some scissors if we're going to be out there. We can try and fake fruit of the Spirit, but it, it doesn't pass inspection. These are gifts that he produces in us. I, I want you to hear he already is at work wanting to change you. Change the way you respond to heat. Let me walk through these and give you some, some words to describe this. So what's love? Love is mainly caring about God and others more than yourself. I mean, it might look like a hug. It might look like a note. It might look like words. But it mainly is, I care about you more than I care about me. This can only be done by the Spirit. Oh, I can have to care about you, pick up after you, clean up after you, be careful around you, but that's not, I still care about me more than you. But, but if, I, if I care about you more than me, this is something the Spirit's doing. Joy, this is an unshakable delight that God is about his good work always. Joy isn't skipping. It's not always singing. Joy is, you can't convince me otherwise that God's about something good. You can't convince me of it. It's so core to how I view the world. I won't be convinced God's up to something bad or that God's sleeping or that God doesn't see this. Peace, what is peace? Peace is a deep-seated confidence that even when it seems otherwise, even when there's great pain, nothing is outside of God's control, that you are safe in his hands. Peace is not ignoring how bad things are. Peace is, is not hiding your kind of head in the sand. Peace is not pretending. Peace is not banking on the future. Peace is confident, even in the midst of hurt, even in the midst of, this looks terrible. Peace is is a situation where this isn't out of God's control. I'm safe in his hands. Uh, These kind of things, this kind of truth that 
God, this is outside of your control, and I am safe here. It's inside of your control, and, and my son is safe here. This is, is what can unlock the freedom from living thorny. What's kindness? Or what's patience? Patience is waiting in faith in every situation, in every relationship, for God to glorify Christ and fulfill his purpose in his perfect timing. What, what is patience? Patience is, I, I know it's going to happen. I know, God, you are going to glorify Jesus in this relationship, in, in this organization. I know you're going to in your timing. And so I'm just waiting. What's kindness? Kindness is acting towards others in a way that they may enjoy what's truly good. What's goodness? Goodness is doing what is right and beautiful before the Lord. What's faithfulness? Faithfulness is living each moment in kind of a responsive trust relationship with God. What's gentleness? This is, this is responding without temper, without flare-up, without, without a short fuse, mindful that the other person is weak like you. The other person is frail like you. What's self-control? Self-control is resisting temptation to do something other than those things. Part of what we need to watch is kind of our self-talk. I mean, the the most influential theologian in your life is you because no one talks to you more than you do. And sometimes we say things to ourselves, and maybe they get outside. I'm just not a patient person. What we're saying is the Holy Spirit, this is just an area he just can't work in. He just can't make me someone who waits in faith in every situation for God to glorify Jesus. And it's not true. It's, it's, my wiper is forever broken. It's just not true. The last part, so this is like number nine but it's really a number whatever. This word, such things. Uh, there's no law against such things. Uh, this opens the door for other kinds of fruit not listed specifically here. Other aspects of the Spirit's work, such as honesty and integrity or courage or leading or encouraging or providing or protecting or submitting or nurturing. Let me ask this question. What has the Spirit brought to your attention? What source of heat has He brought to your attention that He wants to do a good work in you through now? Let me tell you one for me, and there's more than one. Um, one for me is my, my I have a couple of kids who play basketball, and so the first game is this next Tuesday, and it's come to my attention in part through my wife. I need to respond in fruitful, not thorny ways to these guys in white and, white and black striped uniforms. I do. I, and, and Pastor John, I've heard him say before, one of the greatest ways to display that Jesus is real makes a difference is in local sports. If you're a parent 
or a sibling or a friend who's a believer. The way you respond to the same heat, it can make a big difference in how people drew Jesus. So what do I need? I need joy. I need an unshakable delight that God's at his good work. When there's a missed call and my kid's on the ground, and just because he's big, you, that guy with little, you don't call a foul. I, I don't need to pretend it's not bad. I don't need, I, I need an unshakable delight. God's about something good here. I, I truly need peace. I need a deep-seated confidence that he's not out of control. Last year, my son, one of my sons, um, you know, went up, got his legs taken out, came down, pretty bad broken wrist. Surgery, some big old metal thing in his wrist. I need an unshakable foundation that, God, you're, you're up to something good, and this isn't out of your control, and we are safe in your hands. My son doesn't need me to come down there and tell the referee, hey, listen, this guy's pulling his jersey. This guy's three sides. That doesn't need me. God does not meet, need my help in ruling his world. What he needs is for me to say, all right, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of gentleness. Or I don't respond in temper. I respond, respond mindful that that guy and that girl in the white and black striped shirt is frail like me. That they are weak like me. So my heat is, are you going to show your fruit of the Spirit by me watching these games? I need you to. I need you to. You need me to. And here's the thing. It's almost as if, if you're tracking with Paul here, you can go through life with a little bit of a smirk on your face because a deck is stacked in your favor. See that? It's, it's stacked in your favor. Maybe not the way you'd stack it, but it's stacked in your favor. If you are safe in God's hands and he's not out of control and he's working something good in every second of life, you can kind of have a little smirk on your face. Okay, we'll wind up here. So here, here, here's what I want to not drift to. Here's things to reject. Reject of you that the Christian life is more about what I should do rather than what God's doing through the Spirit. Okay, don't hear me saying, you better be more peaceful. You better be more loving. Hear me saying, your only hope is the Spirit giving you the gift of love. Your only spirit hope is the Spirit doing some work in you. Reject the view that the Christian life, that the change God calls you to is impossible or only takes place at eternity in the very end. Now, I'm not saying we can be perfect now, but I'm saying we can be fruitful. In fact, I'm not saying it. The Bible is saying it. I'm not saying, part of this would be, I just excuse myself if I believe change only happens in eternity to come, it's impossible now, well, I, all i got to do is just not be as loud as the next dad. That guy's a bad guy. I only yelled twice. I let two bad calls go, but those other two I didn't let go because of player safety. But the other dad, he's yelling all the time. 
Reject the view that change is impossible. Reject it. Last one to reject. Reject this view that the Christian life is not marked by a war and that God's not fighting for you or with you. It is. The Christian life is marked by battle. But you can have a little smirk on your face. Last five things to remind you of. This is kind of a summarizing the last four weeks. Number one, if you're a believer, you're already a fruit tree. You may look thorny, but that's not who you really are because of what Christ has done. And I'm certain there's some evidence of godly character. There's some fruit the Spirit's done. Second thing, the Christian life is about living by faith in Christ. It's not about winning Christian merit badges or ascending some scale of glory. It is about living moment by moment, need by need, by faith in Jesus. It's not about keeping rules or just grin and bear it. The third thing, if you're a new creature in Christ, good things are possible for you. If you're a new creature in Christ, good things are possible for you. He will enable you to respond to the same old heat with good fruit. Last two. Trials and temptations, or heat as we've been calling them, this is the opportunity for God to show his power and for you to experience him at work. Difficulties, trials, it's an opportunity for him to show his power and for you to see is it really fruit. The last thing, number five, God calls you to a new identity in Christ. So who you are in Jesus and a new way of living. This is kind of the essential of what happens after we come to faith in him. When his grace rules our hearts, we can keep his commands. And he gets the credit for it. He gets the glory for it. I guess my final thing would be, say yes to the spirit. Depend on him to change you. And just see how people respond to the fruit he produces in you. Let's pray together. Lord, this is, this is the way you've ordered the world, that we change depending on you, so that we, in our right mind, can never take credit for it. And it's, it's good that it's ordered this way. It's your wisdom showing forth. But for some here, would you give them fresh hope that not only can you change them, but you can change others that maybe they've given up on? Would you give us grace, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, would you to say yes to you? Really to say, I need you. Really to say, please give me patience. Please give me hope. Please give me joy. Please give me compassion. Please give me gentleness. Please give me self-control. That, that when the heat comes and even when it gets hotter, we might be saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Lord, the world needs to see the work of your hands. And so for the sake of your name, would, would you do this? For the sake of a generation, 
that, that left this room after we got done singing, would they see real fruit in the lives of older believers? That they would walk in your ways, following them. We ask these things in your name. We ask because we desperately need them. Amen.